Welcome to Doctrine and Devotion, a podcast exploring Christian faith and practice from a Reformed Baptist perspective. My name is Joe Thorne. I'm the lead pastor of Redeemer Fellowship in St. Charles, Illinois. And I'm Jimmy Fowler, executive pastor at Redeemer Fellowship. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, 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 hey. What's going on, buddy? Yeah, you know, I'm still getting over this cold. Oh, man, I love it. It's my favorite. Why is it your favorite? You know you just, why. No, no, I, no, <laughs> I, I disagree We've with been why talking about it. You, you I had it up on, I had it up earlier. No, yeah, stop dude, it. You sound like Seth Rogen. Who's, who's, uh, no one knows who oh, Seth Rogen is. No one cares. Oh, you can't even figure out your no, oh, you figured it out. He figured you out his technology. Like, I do not sound, sound like him. You sound like Seth Rogen. I'm not going to laugh. And I'll be honest, Seth happen. Rogen he might be smarter than you. That's the scary thing. What? Why? <laughs> Maybe. Really, I, actually, I, I have know, no man. answer for that. I yeah. can't sit here and say he's not because that's just rude. Have you ever seen a Seth Rogen movie, though? Have I ever seen yeah. a Seth Rogen mm-hmm. movie? Be honest. Don't, don't let our guests... I've seen him in a show. Mm-hmm. You've seen Back every Seth Rogen Freaks, movie. Freaks, I think. Freak, okay, it? you've seen Freaks every Seth Geeks. Rogen Remember movie probably. It's all right. I don't judge you. I don't judge you. Some I feel of like you're judging will. me. No, I'm just yeah, setting you up I'm to be sensing. judged. I'm setting you up to be judged by other people. No, um, I'm not going to sit here and answer any of your questions. So you ready to preach? I saw I, you working on your sermon. Yeah, I'm ready. Yeah. I, I'm not on one sheet yet, but I'll get there. Yeah, cool. Well, so you're, But you're ready to put it on one sheet, though. Yes, I am so, ready to put it on one sheet. All right, cool. So I'm, I'm just about there. Everybody knows, Another couple hours. the way that we preach is we do all the work in our journals. It takes multiple pages, but what we do is we boil it all down to one sheet. Yep. All of our notes have to fit on that one sheet, and that goes into our Bible, and we preach from that. So that's how you know we're ready to go. Jimmy's ready to put it on one sheet, so you could preach it now. I could preach it now, all right. but I need about two hours to... Mm. All right, an hour. hour. Yeah, about an hour. Right. I'm just trying to... You stretch know. it out, act like you spend all that time. No, I just can't. Yeah. I, that way, ruler. if someone's listening and they hear the sermon... They're like, oh, look at all the time he put No, in. you need to undersell. I didn't have oh, enough time. Right. That you way guys, they go, yeah. I had no time. <laughs> there you go. It's going to be horrible. <laughs> you got to hedge your bets. That's right. All right, so listen. Um, it's kind of cool. We got. It's not know, kind of. It's really it's cool. It's very cool. We got a, we got a special guest. Yep. And not just on the phone. You know, like Tom Askell was on the phone. Yeah, Joel McDermott. Joel McDermott on the phone. On the phone. Paul yeah. Maxwell, that one time on the phone. But then when he was here, he took his shirt off. He was flexing his muscles. It was awkward. It was really, yeah. really so, awkward. He's got to stop doing that. We have... Uh, Julie Royce um, here. Now, Julie Royce, I know I keep saying Royce and she's, she's going to correct me. Um, for those of you that do not know, uh, Julie is a journalist, an author, and a speaker. Uh, she's the author of Redeeming the Feminine Soul, God's Surprising Vision for Womanhood. And uh, for six years, Julie hosted a live call-in talk show at Moody Radio. Um, it's called Up for Debate. And for uh, debate. Mm-hmm. it was... Uh, it was the kind of radio show that you should listen to. Where yeah, it's not like one of those slap on the back ones. Yeah, like hey, here's my buddy. What's up, man? Hey, just it's, like, it's not like Doctor Devotion. Yeah, we just like we don't have people on that we don't like. Yeah, we only have people on that we like. That's pretty much it's it. easy. Yeah, but <laughs> just not that you didn't simple. like people, but like uh, Julie would have people on that she would disagree with. She'd have opposing views on, and they and, and get into it. Um, some of you may know. Most recently, um, Julie's investigative journalism has led her to write about Harvest Bible Fellowship and Pastor James McDonald right here in the Chicagoland area. And so we wanted to talk to her today about journalism, the local church, and church health and things like that. Um, Julie, thank you so much for not just agreeing to talk to. Especially Jimmy and I. Uh, especially what do you mean, Jimmy. especially Jimmy and I? Why, why'd you put me she first on that? Like, I'm, you I'm see, a published author. I'm a published author. Like All right, he's got, books. listen, Julie, so, Julie, he's got little pamphlets. Oh, but if yeah. you stack them together, it's like one book. Have you ever, have you heard one of his books? Uh, yeah, yeah, that's awkward. Okay, that is awkward right there. How do you like that, Joe? How do you like that? She's from Moody. She's a Moody author herself. 
She now, don't even know nothing about you. No, listen, and you're going to sit here and judge and right, talk down on me? Are you going to give her? Are you going to sign it for her? Oh, wow. Hey, I like Crossway. See? I do like Crossway. Oh, you like Crossway? Mm-hmm. Okay, there you Crossway's go. Crossway. You're welcome, Crossway mm-hmm. publishers. Yeah. They're very yeah. conservative. Yes, yes, they mm-hmm. are. They, they don't play. You don't, nice. have to, you don't have to be kind and keep No, you those. have to. No, You'll I, hurt my I feelings. Would like to you don't have them. to read them. Just take them and I don't care. Just throw them in your trunk. I don't care. Um... So anyways, Julie, uh, thank you. And let me just apologize on the front end before we get into this. Uh, Jimmy probably smells like cigars. If you're smelling cigars right now, I apologize. Let's just That's not Jimmy. me. Okay, whatever, That's you. dude. Whatever. I've anyways. been at work all day. Yeah, so anyways. Okay, I apologize which, which, did you go to the cigar shop today? Is the Pope Catholic? Then yes, there he you did. Go. So it's, okay. not, it's not me, it's him. I want to just apologize, to apologize for, for Jimmy. Um, so thank you for, for, for coming in. Um, you know, we have we have a bunch of questions, and what we, what we really want to do is sort of introduce the... This this issue of, of of journalism in the context of what's happening right now with Harvest Bible um, Fellowship, you I uh, mean Harvest Bible Ch- Chapel Chapel yeah Fellowship, Fellowship was yeah. the church, church planting, planting network yes. that Harvest Bible Chapel is no longer a part of. Right. Well, it doesn't exist anymore. Uh, now it's Gospel No Go- well Great okay so GCC I think right yeah but that's no longer affiliated with Harvest right. Bible it's, Chapel it's completely it's right separate. completely yeah, right, right. independent not not related at all okay so. Um, Maybe you could introduce for us um, this this idea of investigative journalism and what it is because you, you write books, you appear on NPR, you mm-hmm. address various issues. Mm-hmm. You, I mean, you don't just talk about um, feminism or or women. You talk about a whole host of things theologically, like any good theologian should. But but here, it, you know, there's been a couple of situations this year where you've mm-hmm. sort of dived into this investigative journalism. Can you explain to us what that is? What is investigative journalism, and and how is it appropriate for Christians to sort of engage in this? in that discipline or in that vocation? Well, I think journalism is actually biblical. The very first journalist is in the Bible. Mm. Do you know who that is? You're going to say Luke? Yeah, exactly. Because he went, what is he, he He says, I'm going to make... An orderly account. An orderly account. Theophilus, yeah. right? And, and so for his buddy, he's writing an orderly account so that he may know right. that these things are true. And so Luke, unlike the other gospel writers, the other gospel writers were eyewitnesses. Luke wasn't an right. eyewitness, but he went and interviewed mm-hmm. the eyewitnesses. He took their stories and then he put them into this account. And and really, I, I look at that as the first journalist was Luke. And That's good. I remember in college, I was at Wheaton College, and when that idea is my first journalism course, Intro to Journalism, and my prof said that, and, and that our our job as journalists was to seek the truth. And to me, that, that took it to a really high calling, because mm. now we are to tell the truth, and everything we do is about the truth. And even when I was... When I was in college at Wheaton, uh, I had to do for this class, um, it was an investigative type, in-depth report, I think it was called. And my friend Pam, uh, used to be Felsky, now it's new, um, we were partners in this whole thing. And we happened to stumble on this story about um, things that were happening at the Office of Christian Outreach. Somebody said, hey, you need to ask for the money and what's happening with the money. And, and this was an institution on 
Wheaton's campus? It was on Wheaton's oh. campus. <laughs> oh, goodness, yeah. And, um, and somebody gave us this tip, you really need to look into this. And I remember going in, and none of these people are still there. So, I mean, I'm, I'm not meaning to disparage um, the school. I graduated a very, very long time ago. We won't say when, but it was a very long time ago. So, none of the same players are there. Um, but I remember going in and just asking for a budget, and they're like, and they denied me the budget. And I said, well, wait, this is, this isn't mm. right. This is a, these public donations. I should get a budget, you know? And I, and I engaged with her. I mean, nice, but I was like, uh, I should have a budget. Just pressing and, in. And I remember the director came out and just started screaming at me. Oh, yeah. And I, I remember just being unnerved. I mean, I'm, I'm a college student, okay. right? And I, I come out of the office and I'm shaking and then I'm angry mm. and I'm saying, this is not right. I, I should be able to see that. And because my, I had just gone on a missions trip and my parents had given to this mission trip. And I remember the whole time them saying they needed more money. And then I found out they had an abundance of money right. and that, you know, it had funded a trip and some other things. And, you know, it was all legal, but it was just. You already made sensitive yeah. to the fact that these kinds of things, these kind of abuses happen. Exist, right, yeah. right. And so, I mean, to me, did I get into investigative journal? I, I, I didn't set out to be an investigative journalist. I set out to tell the truth. Mm -hmm. And really, I didn't expect this year to be this year. I had just published a book, Redeeming the Feminine Soul, a year ago, September. And I was thinking this was going to be the set up the conferences and (laughs) the speaking engagements. And I was passionate about the book and I was all set to go. And, and then, you know, I actually stepped in it. I I did. And, and, (laughs) and it was people coming to me. Yeah. There's people coming to me and saying, would you please report this? And would you hear our stories? And this is going on. And, and I knew it's, it's kind of like you get in those situations and you realize I've been given the tools yeah. to do something. God's given me a platform that I can use. And so um, I've just tried to the best of my ability to steward uh, the information people have given me and the gifts that God's given me and the training he's given me. And so... It's led me to this <laughs> really messy um, kind of situation, but it really is about truth seeking. Now, maybe you could, in a in a very brief statement, mm-hmm. summarize for us. And we're, we're not going to make this all about James McDonald and all of that. When people talk about this issue of harvest and James McDonald, um, could you just summarize what is the issue? What is all the hubbub about in its most essential form? That's hard to do. Um, it, the World Magazine article that I did had 4,000 words. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was 3,000 with a, a sidebar, which was about 1,000. And um, literally, I feel like I could write a book on some of this. But to put it in a nutshell, it's it's about abuse. It's about financial abuse, uh, abusing the money that people have given you and, and using it for, you know, one of the things I reported on is how he said he was going to downsize and then he upsized to this, you know, six. 6,900 square foot house with a very nice though, (laughs) extremely nice with a 10 car garage. And he's a pastor, and these are monies coming from the church. And, um, you know, that's all is that abuse of the money? You know, I think at least there should be transparency. And I think the lengths to which he went, where he told us it was only it's less than 5,000 square feet. And then I happened to get a drawing from the assessor's office. I'm like, this isn't 5,000. It's right here. It shows it's not. And then the Harvest Bible Fellowship, you know, here was uh, this Mm. network, church planting network, and he dissolved it in one day, you know? So, I mean, one, that, that leaves questions of church government. How, how is it that the senior pastor, if this is an elder-led church, could completely disband mm-hmm. this organization they've had since 2002 that has a, over 150 independent churches in one day, 
And then you find out that it's about financial mismanagement. It's about when they go in for a financial review of realizing there's $573,000 that have been uh, appropriated for overhead. And when they ask about the overhead, it's like, it seems almost arbitrary, according to, you know, some of the people that I interviewed, including the, the financial director of Harvest Bible Fellowship. And so I think you have that financial uh, piece. And then, and then you have Walk in the Word, which is right. the broadcast ministry mm-hmm. of James McDonald. And you find Walk in the Word funds a million dollars from Walk in the Word taken to settle accounts and liabilities for Harvest Bible Fellowship when they're closing it. I, yeah, how does is, finances go from one ministry to the next without that trailer right. accountability? And then you've got a, a video uh, for Walk in the Word where James McDonald says that every change partner, and change partners are your monthly giver, and he says to them, every dollar you give goes to buy airtime. And then you find out, not only did they transfer a million dollars, but Walk in the Word funds paid for a deer herd at Camp, Mich- at Camp Harvest. A deer herd. You know, and... and I don't know the exact amount that that cost. I know the initial investment was around $15,000 to buy some does. You get these breeder bucks for these white, right. white tail trophy deers. I mean, those are, are very expensive, you know, maybe fifteen, twenty thousand right there. Um, so you have this financial, but then you have the abuse of human beings. And I think that's what drew, drew me in first was people coming to me and telling me their stories. You know, this one right. pastor, for example, that, uh, because he planted a church nearby, um, after he left Harvest, they wanted him to sign. And this, this is a whole discussion right here. Yeah, non-compete not, agreements. Yeah. You, you, you can't plant a church within 50 miles. Like, don't lead people to the Lord too close to our church. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. really, uh, the, the fields are, har- are, are white for harvest, are they yeah. not? You know, and so this idea that, that we're competing with other churches. I mean, I, I mean, I found that odd. Um, but then because he didn't do this, his kids were kicked out of the school. He ends up getting kicked out of his guy. daughter's yeah. uh, eighth grade graduation. Um, then I had stories of, I mean, these ones were just bizarre mm-hmm. of, of James, you know, according to it and all of these, because it says in first Timothy, you don't bring a charge against an elder without the, the testimony of two or three witnesses. And all of these were corroborated by two or three witnesses, at least. Um, but we have stories, accounts of him where uh, he supposedly saw a picture of a, of a pastor up on the wall at Camp Harvest, what somebody who'd fallen out of favor, no longer on staff. And he takes a butter knife and stabs the thing, according to, now he denies he did it. He said, I may have put the knife up to it and into it, mm-hmm. right? But we have other people saying, no, he stabbed it multiple times to make a point. You know, and then you also have video, uh, supposedly of him. Now I've seen some of the video, uh, but a videographer who left recently in 2017 because of the way he was treating right. high school students, calling them morons and stupid and supposedly, according to this videographer, uh, physically threatening them and berating them, mocking them. I mean, this is not a way a, a pastor acts. Mm-hmm. And, and it needs to be, I think, called out. It's not a way and a these man. stories need, it's yeah. not a way a man or a woman should act. Yeah, especially anybody in leadership, right, who has been given and entrusted that responsibility for shepherding people. Yeah. But so, to play, mean, let's play devil's advocate here a little bit. Well, what I'm thinking here is like, well, Julie, I mean, as you as we go, like we look online and we follow and, and, and we mm-hmm. see some of the pushback that you've been getting. Right. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, people saying that you're kind of hurting the, mm-hmm. the church, you're hurting people, that you're not helping, that you're spreading gossip. Uh, and that you're stepping outside of the Matthew 18 process. How how do you respond to that? Like, uh, you know, these allegations from those that are these criticisms, I would mm-hmm. say, from from people online or, or even from the church uh, that you're 
yeah, that you're hurting, not helping, mm-hmm. spreading gossip, not going through the process correctly. Well, first of all, I'm very thankful for my journalism professor who told me once, if you're not getting any any hate mail, Julie, you're probably not saying anything. So I keep oh, that in mind when I get some of these nasty Paul Maxwell, all that hate that you get, <laughs> see, be thankful. But there, there is truth to that. I think mm-hmm. when, when you're speaking the truth, um, you're going to step on some toes. Um, but when it comes to Matthew 18 principle, people talked about this a lot. Right. Um, and even when I reported the stuff on Moody, actually, I, I tried to follow that. But I, I honestly don't think that's what Matthew 18 is about. Matthew 18 is about a personal offense. It's not about somebody in authority abusing their authority over church. It's And I think that that, that passage has been so misused. And it's 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 gotten to the point where you have a, a young uh, person in, in a church who might be abused by somebody you know, in power terms, mm-hmm. much greater than her. And yet she's she's asked to go to that person one-on-one, the pastor. Yeah. I mean... And there's no witness anyways. Yeah. yeah. So and like, and I it's, mean, it's really, I think she's it's... supposed to do anything? It, that's been, I think, misapplied. But I think as much as I can, I do, like with the Moody situation, before I reported on that, I... I went directly to the trustees. I met directly with the trustees. I begged them to deal with this. And it was only after um, I saw that, that they were so compromised that I realized this isn't going to happen unless we go public. Mm-hmm. But this is, this, here's, the, here's the passage I never hear talked about. It's First, first Timothy 5, yep. 19 and 20. How can we never hear that? We hear all the time Matthew 18, right? And it's so often by the people in authority who are not wanting to be called out, right? Yeah, they're so quick to... To right, try to jump right. back at you. But nobody talks about First Timothy 5. And this is critical. It says, when you have an elder. Now, first, it, it, it starts with that you only consider accusations against an elder with, you know, two or three witnesses. Yeah. So, so we don't consider. And I've had people call me with all sorts of crazy stories. And, and I listen, but then I go to corroborate. And if it's not there, I don't report it. There's a lot of stuff I don't report. Mm-hmm. But when you see that this is a valid accusation, and in this case for Harvest... Eight elders, eight elders, eight former elders sent a letter to the elder board complaining about James McDonald's character. Within 24 hours, instead of investigating what those eight elders brought, within 24 hours, those elders in in 2013 that were on the elder board, instead of investigating, and they said in that letter, those eight former elders, we have witnesses, um, which we're glad to bring in specific accounts, instead of doing that investigation and bringing them in, which I've talked to you know, um, all but one, but I've talked to him through another one. He communicated with me. Um, but they all expected, they expected that this investigation would happen. And instead, within 24 hours, two of them were excommunicated and a third censured, you know, and, and so we're not following First Timothy 5. And when you have an elder that is sinning, you're supposed to, what it says is publicly expose him right. so that... The others may stand in fear. Right. There, when you have a position of authority, you have an incredible trust. And I know you two men, as your position of being pastors, probably feel that. You've been entrusted with a spiritual office, and the, the, the standard is so high for you. Mm-hmm. And if you are there sinning and abusing money or abusing people or abusing the Scripture— you need to be held accountable. And if you're doing it and you've been confronted repeatedly, as in this case, um, you know, there's accounts that go back 10, 15, 20 years. If that's happening and that is not being dealt with, yes, 
there does need to be a public exposure. We have a we have a friend, uh, Matt Car- uh, Carabini. Um, he works for the Daily Wire. I don't know if you know Daily Wire. But I do. Right, yeah. So, so of course you like Ben Shapiro and all that stuff. So do we. Um, <laughs> so uh, Matt works for Daily Wire, and um, so we had mentioned online that you were coming and talked talking to us tonight, mm-hmm. and he said, "Why are we going against McDonald so much lately?" Will you guys discuss the importance of it? Because honestly, I don't see it. Let the local church duke it out. And I can understand where he's coming from. Uh, like, let the local church handle it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my response was, is sometimes um, a local church can be led by men unaccountable. Yeah. And is, isn't that one of the fundamental issues here, that there is a large degree of unaccountable leadership that has led to the abuses that you've talked about? Well, I, I think, some of this gets to a question of ecclesiology, mm-hmm. really. I mean, okay. because we we're not dealing with the Catholic Church, where there's a magisterium that we can appeal to, right? And and in the case of Harvest Bible Chapel, you're talking about a church. Now it's a cooperating church in a Southern Baptist convention, oh, which, which is a whole <laughs> other discussion. Yeah, <laughs> Jimmy and I have what got, does that even mean? We're having I'm not heart sure. attacks over I, this. I, yeah, I mean, I would love to be able to sit down with JD and be like, "Come on, JD, bro." Bro, 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 They ain't voting on anything. Uh, There's no congregational I, 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 principles. That is, that is not a. Right, we'll talk about it later. Fine. <sighs> so you don't have to be a Calvinist, but you got to be congregational. I agree. Right. I agree. Anyway. We have traditionalists. We have Calvinists. We, we could get. But at least we agree on that. Good. We agree be on congregationalism. Yeah. Right. All right. Go. go Sorry. Jordan. All right. No. I, <laughs> I feel you. I get it. I mean. I do think there's questions of church government that do come up with this whole thing. Mm -hmm. Because what we've got in evangelicalism, with so many of these independent churches, and there's no denomination, there's no bishop they're accountable to, is there is, in essence, a public trust. Yeah. Right? And there's there's an understanding, there's a public trust. And, And when that, when, when you have a church or, um, an elder board in this case, where things have broken down, where they're not holding the pastor accountable. Yeah. I mean, we have numerous former elders saying that this is a puppet elder board. And you also, looking at the church government, the, the, the elder board at Harvest, you can read the, the bylaws. You can go online and read them. I'm not making this stuff up. Um, there are about 30 elders, right, on the elder board. Correct. But they they don't have any any authority over the finances, any authority over the legal deals, all of that, that's done by what's called the executive committee, which are four or five men, the officers of the church, and James McDonald. Okay? Well, and there's no ratification. It's okay to set, like, all the compensation for all the top officers in a committee or in a, you know, mm. something like that. But you kind of get it ratified by the big board. Correct. But we have elders who are there who resign saying, I got, I got a pie chart. That's all I got. And when I asked yeah. for what did the guys make, what what did the senior officers make, I was denied that. So one piece of the pie is just staff. In fact, right? one one of those, Dan Marcourt, one of the former elders, told me he said that that he was told, you know what, I'd rather lose a hundred sheep before I tell you that. Mm. You know, and it's that kind of lack of transparency and all that. There's when you have a breakdown of of trust, and when you have it at a church nearby. You know, Dave Jones is at Village Church of Barrington, and he said. I've got 100 to 150 people who have come to my church for a significant amount of time who, has, who show signs of spiritual abuse, yeah. and they've come from harvest. And so when you have that going on and you have a breakdown, there doesn't seem to be uh, this kind of holding accountable mm-hmm. by the elders at the top. Um, 
And again, you know, I as a journalist, I don't go in with a preconceived notion. I listened to those we got. We listened to James McDonald and what what he had to say. We got his side of the story. We reported that. You know, people can go and look at that World Magazine story I did. They can go to my blog and and see um, what I reported just recently, which Mm -hmm. are text messages. This is from my latest one was text message from the the chairman, the former chairman of the executive committee. He's a current elder saying that one, an elder update that was just put out there, I didn't even read it. I had nothing to do with that. And this is an elder update that's talking about how the elders feel about everything and how they're getting along with the senior pastor. And he's saying, James and I completely disagree on on what elder oversight even means. Right. And then you have him saying that elder update, well, that's nothing more than, I forget the exact quote, something like an attempt to run a cult yeah. and control the masses. When that is happening at a church... That is no small thing. And when that church has, you know, more than 12,000 attenders, and when that pastor has a broadcast ministry reaching millions, millions. of people, well, well, then, and this is as a journalist, I was always trained in this, it's the public's right to know. Yeah. And you're always weighing the public right to know um, against, you know, right to privacy and all these other things. But this is a huge, huge, to me, I mean, the question of does the public have a right to know, do the people who are giving, they just had a, a, a capital campaign there, and people gave, what I understand, pledged $29 million. Oh, goodness. You know, these are people giving sacrificially of their own money to this church. Do they have a right to know how, how things are spent? Do they have a right to know how things are governed? Do they have a right to know when they're giving to walk in the Word how that money is being spent? Because they're thinking every dollar goes to getting out the good news of Jesus Christ. Right. Yeah. I think they have a right to know. We're big. And I think that's what I think that's really important here is that when we're talking about like this whole Matthew eighteen or, or First Timothy and people talk about like Matt Matt was talking about being in private, this is something that's out in the public sphere and needs to be dealt with in a public way, mm-hmm. right? And I think that's the part that that sometimes people forget in the midst of all this is this is something that's larger. And yeah, I think we see some of these things happening at a, at I'm sure we do see some of these ha- things happening at a smaller church. Uh, and that needs to be dealt with as well. Uh, but when it's at this scale with what we're talking about here, you're right. I think it's a it's a public it's a public issue. I mean, we're big believers in um, and transparency, and it's not because we're super awesome theologians and super virtuous, though we are. <laughs> it's uh, it's because we're dangerous. Like. If I had yes men around me telling me that I'm the best and you, whatever you want, boss, um, I would make terrible mistakes. But um, I'm the lead pastor here, but I don't have more authority than anybody else. The volunteer, the staff all have the same authority and they shoot me down all the time. All the time. All the time. <laughs> horrible so are you ideas. congregational here? Is that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. the elders lead and we make a lot of decisions, but the church votes on any, any leadership. So mm-hmm. elders, deacons. Um, anybody serving in an official capacity officers, like that. Officers, yeah. So any officers of the church, they vote on membership, in, out, including church discipline, mm-hmm. and they vote on budget. That's not a biblically required one, I don't think, but I think it's very wise to do that. We disclose salaries, everything. Mm-hmm. Everything is out there for everybody to see. It's uncomfortable, but mm-hmm. uh, we like. I think that's really good. Mm-hmm. And so the reason we operate with parity, equality of authority among the elders, whether they're volunteer or not, and all that is because 
I'm dangerous. We're dangerous. Like inherently we're sinful. And so I need guys around me that will say, that's a bad idea, dude. Like you're going to hurt yourself or somebody else. So it's not that we're virtuous. It's not that we're like theologically right, though. I think we are theologically right mm-hmm. in our congregational model with elders who are leading. Um, I, I think it's, it's biblically necessary because of the sinful tendencies of men and women. So that's why we like we push for it. And a lot of us have come from backgrounds where we've seen abusive pastors. Yeah. We've so been under abusive pretty, leadership. Yeah. Pretty, you've made the rounds. You went through a few different cycles. Oh my goodness. You just kind of kept through. going deeper into the, I don't know what Dante's Inferno I, I, I was of in the wrong leadership. Town. Yeah. That, that's well, all Canada. That's all you need to know. It was, it's, yeah, you know what? That, they're passive until they want to abuse you. Yeah. They're passive aggressive. Actually, you know what? The ones that were the abusive ones were from out of country. But they went to Canada because that's where all the suckers are. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there you go. Now that I think right. about it, those pastors were from out of country. <laughs> yeah. 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 And they find where all the nice people are. Sorry. Yeah, no one else. Yeah. yeah sorry. Yeah, sorry. Sorry. Whatever you say. About. Sorry. All right. So it's about time. Julie, like, you know, you're, you're, you're talking about the local church stuff and every, we're linking to all this stuff in the show notes. So you need to check out uh, Julie's articles, uh, World Magazine, stuff on her website and her blog. Um, really helpful stuff. All the stuff that she's been referring to here is documented and online for you to read. So we'll have links to that. Um, Mira, you're talking about local churches and transparency and accountability. Are you a member of a local church? Uh, obviously, you're in the area because you're hanging out with us here at the uh, at Redeemer Fellowship tonight. Um, but are you a member of a local church? And if you are, you don't have to tell us which church. Mm-hmm. Privacy might be a good thing for you right now. Um, <laughs> so a bunch of haters yeah. out there. And, uh, and what do your um, leadership, what does the leadership of the church think about what you do for a living? Um, I am a member of a church. Um, and actually, um, I, I know Harvest reached out to them. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Well, no. That, that's what I would do if I think I would probably make the same play. Yeah. 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 And but uh, honestly, it was after they had already appealed to the courts. They had already filed a lawsuit. Well, they they I guess reached out to them before, um, before the the uh, the lawsuit. But before yeah. my pastors even had a chance to respond, because I remember my pastor called me. I think it might have been the day I was they. They filed the lawsuit against me, and he's like, "Julie, you know, I just got this this thing from Harvest Bible, you know, Chapel, and what should I do?" Blah blah. blah. I'm like, I'm like, well, <laughs> they just filed a lawsuit against me, so I, I think they kind of just pass bypass that whole entire church work it out thing yeah. and uh, just file a lawsuit. So, I mean, yeah, at, at that point, they had kind of skipped past that entire process, but. Um, but again, I didn't see anything to work out because I didn't even publish anything yet. Yeah. So what, what do they think about like the fact that, you know, you are calling attention to what you perceive to be and others perceive to be abuses in leadership? Are you, is your church leadership supportive of you in that or are they critical of you in that? I, you know what? My church leadership will ask me questions, will ask me hard questions. And we've had, Good. We've had hard discussions. And, um, and I think, honestly, they're working through this is all new territory for them. Oh, I bet it. This, this, yeah. this, this oh, year's yeah. been. This year's been. Um, Thanks, Julie. Yeah, no, <laughs> I, uh, I've probably taken up more of their time than, than they really wanted. Not not because I wanted to, but right. I mean, it's just this. These sorts of things have, have come up, and um, and actually, I have a board, um, and I did that voluntarily for the same same reasons that you you talked about. Is I felt like. Here I am, I'm a journalist, and in many ways I'm a freelancer, and um, I've got this platform that God's given me, and mm-hmm. I want to steward that well. That's really important to me. Mm-hmm. And so I want people speaking into my life. And actually, one of one of the guys on my boards, actually, um, I go to an Anglican church, So, and he's actually a priest. I bet I know where you go. Yeah, well, you may, where. you may. But, um, 
but we've known each other ever since college. I mean, and so our families would vacation together, really, really good friends. We know each other well. Our spiritual journeys, he and his wife and my husband and I have been really intertwined. And and it's just so great, but he's also part of my diocese. Mm-hmm. And so they know him really well. And so I, I think we're kind of working through that right now is saying, hey, if these sorts of things come up again, how about we have him take it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and I'm like, that's probably a good idea because he knows me really, really well. Um, but, and here's the thing, I'm like, if I have sinned in something, call me on it. Yeah. Call me on it. Um, and then there's, there's, so there's areas, have I sinned? You know, has, is there, are they accusing me of sinning? Um, again, in, in this particular case with Harvest, I, I hadn't even published. So I, it just hit me completely out of left field. Um, but with, with anything I, I publish, you know, um, have I sinned? Have I done something wrong? Um, if, if I have, I want to be held accountable for that. I, I want to, you know, know. Um, and then there's judgment issues, yeah. you know, and those are things um, that we can discuss. And um, to be honest, I think I think a lot of people in ministry don't understand what someone like me does. Mm-hmm. It's it's a little messy, and it's um, it's um, some people are called. I really think to be peacemakers, and yeah. they're blessed, right? I mean, that's yeah. wonderful, and. I there's times when I wish that was more my calling um, because I don't like engaging in battle, but this is a lot of battle sometimes, yeah. and um, and so I think it makes Christians uncomfortable, mm-hmm. and and I I think we've lost prophetic voice in the church, I think we've lost the role of the prophetic voice, and I think we need to recapture it. I mean, you, you look at our church right now and and the rampant unholiness that's going on. Yep. And sexual abuse, the cover yeah. up of sexual abuse in particular is grievous. Yeah. And and the what I see happen I've seen happening among even like guys in our tribes, guys that we lock arms with, you know, denominationally, yeah. uh, in the reformed community, sort of not acknowledging that uh something stinks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh like it really it mm-hmm. burns us up and um I, I'm not really sure why we got into this state i have i have theories um but yeah i i i agree i i absolutely agree so like we we talked about like those that are criticizing right mm-hmm. i mean what would you say to those that are in some ways it looks like they're rejoicing at the chaos and the the potential fall of james right yeah. how what would you say to those people well i <sighs> I, I think you have to understand where some of them are coming from. At least, I, I mean, I know there's there's two dozen to maybe over thirty people if I'd count up everybody who went on the record with me okay. and that talked to me and shared their story. And um, I've gotten together with them on occasions and we've prayed together. They have lived this. Yeah, they have lived this. Some of them for a very long time, yeah. for years. Um, I know the the two guys from the elephants debt, which. By the way, I didn't even know before April of this year. I'd never. Oh, you even, never heard? Oh. Never. I'm, well, I had gone to the Elephant Stat website a few times. Um, but no, I'd, I'd never met them. I'd never, you know, um, really. Uh, well, I still haven't met one of them. We've talked on the phone numerous yeah. times, but I've never, I've never met him in person. Um, and the other one I just met actually a few weeks ago for the first time in person. But they've they've been through a tremendous amount 
Um, both of them had to leave jobs they loved as a result oh. of what they reported oh, wow. on. They have been targets of all sorts of, I mean, hate and nastiness. Um, they've paid a price, a really steep price. Um, and their methods are different than, than mine. They report different. They're not trained in, they're not trained journalists. They're not journalists. No. Yeah. No, no, they're not, but they're good guys. They really are good guys. Um, and I've really, I've come to love them and appreciate them. I really have. And one of them, um, he commented on uh, James McDonald recently. He was scheduled to speak at the Southern Baptist Convention yeah, Pastors yeah. Conference. Mm-hmm. And after the story came out, um, yeah, well, I. <laughs> James stepped down. Yeah. Stepped, stepped out, out. Right, right. He stepped out. quotes on that. Um, but I know at that point, one of them, had, one of the guys from the Elephant's Debt uh, posted, I forget what the, the comment was, but he was kind of pointing out the irony of, I think it was about um, integrity or something like that. And somebody kind of came down on him. It's like, you know, this isn't a laughing matter. And he's like, you know what? I've lived this for like the past six years. If I, can, Let me appreciate the irony, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and I felt like they kind of jumped down his throat. And so I don't These think he was rejoicing. These are people that need vindication, though, right? These are people they that like, they, they need God's support to, like David prays for this, right? Mm-hmm. Vindicate me amidst my accusers. But I think what Jimmy's talking about, though, are like the observers, like, you know, the... The, the people that are watching, the people that the internet consumers who sort of like really get off on they like really somebody like, falling hard. Yeah, they, they, just I, the, the idea that there's issues or trouble or they yeah. just watch this big guy go down. Exactly, yeah. What do you say to those people well, as to, a reporter? To me, it's like, you know, coming by, I mean, this is a is a car wreck. Yeah. And, yeah. and I've never liked how, how people gawk at car wrecks and things. I mean, I, I feel like this is a horrible thing. Why are you gawking at it like it's entertainment? And this is the same way. This is a horrible train wreck, car wreck, whatever you want to call it. I mean, this is awful. Yeah. Nobody rejoices in this. All of us grieve in this. I mean, when you see the, the I, I mean, I, I, the amount of people that have been wounded by this, mm. the, the, what it does, to the cause of Christ. I mean, to, to me, somebody asked me, why do you do this? I, why do I do this? Because I care about God's reputation. Mm. I care about the kingdom. I, it, if I'm offended by this behavior, how does God feel? Right. This is his name. This is his church. And so to me, this is a horrible tragedy. And we should grieve over it. Um, but at the same time, the people that I've seen that have been the most engaged on social media are people that are, you know, a lot of them reached out to me and have told me their stories. You know, yeah. I get these private messages all the time and I see, and then I hear their story and I grieve for them. And there's just an awful lot of pain in the whole thing. And so I, I think, you know, if, if somebody's watching this and enjoying it and finding this entertaining, that's just wrong. Yeah, their you know, heart, their heart's right. definitely in the wrong spot. It, it was, it was interesting because um, I don't think I've mentioned it on our podcast, but over the years, um, there's been a steady stream of people. Uh, it's probably been now two years at the most since it's mm-hmm. happened. But I've had uh, staff from uh, from Harvest uh, come and talk to me and ask for help. Like they don't know what to do. They're 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 like, I, how do I handle this situation? Here's what's happening in our leadership culture. How do I? Can I transition out? Like I'm afraid. Like how am I supposed to do? And not they're coming to me because I'm local, right? And so um, and somehow they. They, they like the way that we do something here or whatever. So I've been hearing from people that are there um, that in leadership positions saying like, we don't, we don't know what to do. Uh, we're, we feel really stuck. And then we have a quit your job. So yeah, I'm not, not honestly, yeah. I mean, this is like, if I have one irritation, 
I mean, it happened at Moody with professors saying, yep. I can't talk because I might lose my job. And now there's people like, I don't know what to do. You know, I have to stay here. Quit your job. I, I feel like jobs have become idols. You know, I lost my job. I've survived. You know, mm. life doesn't come to an end. You can lose your job. I just, I just, it just irritates me because I'm like, we have gotten to the point where it's okay to say, yeah, I'm complicit in all sorts of evil. And yeah, I've looked the other way for years, but I could have lost my job. And that's an excuse that's okay. It's yeah, not. Well, it's, I mean, again, we're, we're, we're actually called to suffer. We will suffer, especially if we're yeah. doing what's right. And sometimes yeah. it means making the hard decision. Um, so maybe we can, we can end on, on, on this, um, at least in terms of the, the, the issues that we wanted to talk to you about here briefly. Um, back to this issue of transparency and leadership. Mm. Um, why is transparency so important? For lead. Now, like we're Baptists, we think that there needs to be a congregational involvement and accountability. Uh, we don't we're not down with, uh, with with without some sort of built in accountability there. Um, but why is transparency important for all leaders and where is transparency most critical? In your assessment as an expert. On abusive churches. <laughs> I'm a journalist. I'm not a, I'm not a, a church government expert, but I will say that that transparency. One of the guys I talked to in my reporting was Rusty Leonard, and he runs a, an organization called Ministry Watch, and he's so big on transparency, especially financial transparency, and and that's because it's just so easy to abuse, and you know, money being. The root of all, or the love of money being the root of all kinds of evil. Um, I do think transparency is absolutely a must, especially when you're working with millions of dollars. When you get these yeah. huge budgets, yeah. financial transparency is critical, and there needs to be a lot of things and a lot of safeguards in place. And that's the way, really, you safeguard yourself, you safeguard your church. You, you know, you want to be above even the appearance of yeah. evil. And that's yeah. the way you do it, is by just being transparent about about all things. I, th- I think it's evangelicals. And, and, and this is, <laughs> we, we, we've kind of gotten really huge on, like, transparency and accountability with, like, our, our relationships. I'm not sure it's <laughs> helping that much, because we're still having right. sexual scandals left yeah. and right. But for some reason, financially, we don't know. And and even right now, it's like, Julie, if you could get the Me Too story, that would do it. Like, we don't care about like just spiritual abuse of people. We don't care about emotional abuse. We don't care about financial abuse. I, I, I think those areas are certainly important, our relationships. And I, but I think we've kind of gone overboard with those. Um, and I think we've, we've really, really fell down you mm. know, when it comes to uh, financial transparency. And I think church governance, how decisions are made, um, there's just way too much secrecy in, in church boards. So, um, Julie, if, if, if people want to follow what you're doing, like if they want to follow your writing, your your ministry, uh, your work. How do they connect with you on social media? Where do they find you online? Yeah, um, they can go to Julie Roy's R O Y S dot com, and you can sign up there. You get uh, all the blog updates, newsletter, and all that if you sign up. Um, also on social media, I'm on Facebook and Twitter uh, at Reach Julie Roy's is the way to, to so they can reach you they can reach no, me yeah there you that go way. okay good good that way um i have a contact form on my website as well uh love to hear from people and love to engage um so i encourage people to do that 
cool. Well, we're going to be uh, linking to your articles, and um, you know, we've obviously we follow you online. We appreciate what you're doing. We're, we're grateful that you don't. You know, you're not relishing in. You know, you're not a gotcha. Yeah, journalist. You know, scare quotes. You're, you know, you're, you're, you're reporting. I believe you're reporting uh, because you care. Uh, you care about God. You care about the truth. You care about people. Yeah. Um, and that is for me. I know it's supposed to be the glory of God. That's the most, and that's, you know, maligned. When God gets a bad name, it's supposed to be the thing that hurts the most. But usually what hurts me first <laughs> is people being hurt. Like it's just, it's a bit closer to my face. And so like that grieves me. And then it helps me then to see the glory of God, um, you know, being obscured in some way. Um, we believe that, 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 that is what motivates you. And, um, so we're, we're grateful for it. And, uh, for all you people out there, uh, asking like, why is she doing the Matthew 18 and all that? Now you there you go. You got your answer. There you go. Stop it. Yeah, just like go do something. But they did do the Matthew eighteen. I think I, that needs to be said. Well, no, that, Those elders, they all I mean, did. Right? They all did. Yeah. <laughs> Julie can't be doing the Matthew eighteen thing. They all did it, and there was no. They, and listen, we definitely don't. Um, you know, we we joke around about local churches and whatnot in a generally friendly way. Um, but you know, when it comes to lead, and I, some of the best people I know are at Harvest. I know that like some of the most amazing Christians I know are at Harvest. Mm-hmm. Um, but that style of leadership for us is is very questionable, if not outright toxic and, and dangerous. So um, you know, we've always been really um, honest about that. But what we do want to see is is God glorified and people healed, and we want to see righteousness established. And man, what what an awesome testimony if we could. See see a, a complete revival and turnaround uh, at the leadership level at that church. That, that oh, would that'd be, be amazing. That would be amazing. You could only test, you could only point to God for that because that yeah. doesn't happen. That's right. That, historically, rarely, rarely happens. So we can pray about that. You guys, though, can engage us in this particular episode online. Jimmy, how do they do it? Uh, you could uh, follow us online, Instagram, Are you sure? Twitter. Yep. You sounded confused. <laughs> yeah, you know, you can't. When I do the lead in, yeah. you know, I have the whole thing. Yeah. So let me lead I, in. I, the I way lead in. No, no, you just go. I yeah, teed it up for you. Instagram, you Twitter, at DocaDevo mm-hmm. or on Facebook slash Dr. Devotion. You can head to the website, drdevotion.com. There you can contact us. You can sign up for the email blast or hit up the store. <laughs> I hate you. I hate you so much. Why are you, why are you such a jerk? Why you, are you, you the way you are? That's how you, you laugh are. when you have a cold. Who, who did not love you as a child? Can you investigate that? Well, I don't feel loved by you. Is that beyond yeah, your skill set? You need beyond. to encourage me more. Maybe I wouldn't attack you like that. There you go. How else? What else you can head out to JoFoStore.com and grab some gear. Fresh pod every Monday and Thursday. Blog posts on Wednesdays. Video content when available. Later. Later.